Hey gang, welcome to episode 70 of the No Proscenium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and welcome to one of our mini-sodes. Uh, this, uh, this is once in a while. I, uh, it's not that I get lazy, it's that I get too busy to book people, and this also happens to be the one vacation week I take a year. And I had a lot of stuff I wanted to do, so I decided to turn this one into one of our open forums and invite questions from the audience, uh, which we got a couple. And I'm also going to go on a bit of a rant. So if you listen to the show for a nice, chunky interview that lets you kind of go off into the universe, um, stick around for the news and notes, and then, you know, maybe listen to the questions, then you can leave my rant alone. But if you want to know about sort of the state of things... Uh, this is this is going to be a good one to check in on. Um, but first, we've got a little business to do. And that business is the business of making theater that is awesome. And we do that with the help of our friends at Drafty. Oh, look at that. Um, I'm going to lay this out straight. So Drafty is a computer-aided design program that uh, was created by uh, an actual friend of ours, Lucas Kresh. Uh, and he made it uh, for theatrical designers. He is a he's a lighting designer, so he wanted to make a CAD program that was tailored for people who do lighting and projection and sound, and he wanted it to be affordable because Lucas is a working designer. He knows how expensive this stuff gets, and he wanted it to be really tailor-made for people doing the professional work that he does, and Lucas does it like all over the place, all over the world even. It's been so fun watching Lucas, Lucas's career over. <laughs> um, maybe we've known each other for a while. So, drafty. All right. So the lighting design part, projection design, sound design, all the tools are in there to do that. It's a subscription-based service, so you know you're not you're not breaking your bank to get involved in it. And the best part is that it is software made by the kind of person who's doing the exact work that the people who are using the software are doing. And that's the amazing thing about our digital age is that the people who need the tools can make the tools and then share the tools. This is what software is supposed to be about. And here it is in our own little theater world. And that is the unscripted version of the Drafty sponsorship block. You can find out if Drafty's right for you at drafty-app.com. See, it's all about sincerity today, y'all. Um, hey, let's do the news and notes, and then uh, there'll be a little music break to get into the, the questions. Okay, going to be quick on the news and notes this week, because maybe I've been turning the internet off in order to save my sanity, because my sanity needs to be saved. I mean, hello, 2016. Um, New York City. New issue this week. Uh, Zay tells me there's a lot of stuff. I'll see the draft later tonight. You'll get it in your inboxes tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday, October 28th, uh, tomorrow will be the 29th, and that's when you'll get the thing. Um, Whisper Lodge, which we've talked about a couple of episodes ago, uh, one episode ago. I've lost track of time. Whisper Lodge is coming back, and uh, there's just a few tickets available. Uh, they're they're letting everyone know putting out their list next week but here's a chance for you to jump on the whisper lodge you notice i dropped down into the asmr voice uh the whisper lodge train go to whisperlodge.nyc they've got a few events in november i'm sure it'll sell out so you want to get there now go ahead and do it it's going to be quite the experience if you need a little more information about whisper lodge go back a couple of episodes in the thread and uh and you'll find out more Again, tickets on sale now for the November weekends, whisperlodge.nyc. Also coming into the uh, newsletter this week is uh, an immersive magic show um, called The Doubtful Guest. Let's read this. Uh, this is It's got perform more performances in December, but one performance, a pop-up preview on October 30th. This is in New York City. An intimate audience of guests gathers around a dining table for an evening of music, magic, and spirits. After cocktails paled with local ghost stories and sleight of hand, the evening culminates in a seance designed to summon a final guest. Ooh, sounds like fun. Actually, it sounds like something that a friend of mine really wanted to do out here in L.A. a few years back. So um, 
and and uh, this gentleman, uh, he he doesn't listen to the show, which is unfortunate because I would tell him right now, hey, I know you're in New York at least once a month for work. You should check this out. Probably have to make a phone call. You know, my friends should really listen to the show. It makes conversations a lot less awkward. Not that you aren't my friend. In fact, you're probably a better friend than some of my friends. Friend. Also coming to New York, as we talked about last time, they're putting an immersive in the immersive. The Strange Undoing of Prudentia Heart is coming to the McKittrick in November and December. If you don't know what the McKittrick is, you're probably not listening to this podcast. It's just worth sleeping on what happens. Um, hey, I can't. If you didn't know, it's it, it just means you haven't had a chance to go. And that's not your fault. I I was you. I was you two and a half years ago. Now I'm me. Maybe maybe you shouldn't go. Um, <laughs> your life will become this. I like it, though. But it is mine. So maybe I should start chasing people away from immersive theater. I don't want... I don't. We don't need another me. Whoa, we do not need another me. Let's go to San Francisco. That's where... That's kind of where I'm from. I mean, I was born in Southern California, but I was raised up in the Bay Area. Let's go there. Um... Alone Together, which we mentioned last time, which is a, a participatory, uh, intimate dance piece that's going on at Z Space. That is that is happening this weekend, weekend uh, through the thirtieth at Z Space. Uh, lots of dance stuff that's happening there. Um, lots of dance stuff that's happening. There. That's real articulate. Um, Z Space is known for dance. There, that is what I'm trying to say. I've only had one cup of coffee. You know, yeah, you're in for it. Uh, Chicago, we mentioned this one before too, Spirit Forward, Houdini Unlocked, that is on Halloween itself at the historic Four Paws Mansion, um, that's from the Chicago, it did the same thing, that's from the Chicago issue, but it's in St. Paul, Minnesota, so yeah, I know those are really different cities, there's also a whole thing where we're transitioning, uh, and we're expanding what the Chicago one covers, and more on that. More on that during during the rant. So yeah, I'll break some news. I'll break some news for you. Here we go. Let's come to a territory that I know real well. This is probably when I read the notes. If I read the notes, I make mistakes like that one. Um, tickets on sale this week for Barbershop. That is Annie Lesser's new piece. I'm excited to check it out. And he, and he always pulls it off. It's, it's, sometimes it's a miracle. Um, yeah, she doesn't listen to the show either, so we're okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, I'm on vacation. I got older this week. I am loose. And he does amazing work. I'm often, like, right up to the moment, I'm like, oh, my God, is she going to pull it off? It's like a high-wire act. And then she does, and people love it. And I'm like, why did we ever doubt? It's because, like, because, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't doubt. We should not doubt. I'm not erasing any of this. This is this is just unvarnished. Um, the Hamlet Mobile, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about the Hamlet Mobile in a minute. Uh, the Hamlet Mobile is rolling around. You should check it out. Go to hamletmobile.com. Grab yourself a ticket. I would. Um, well, if if you haven't seen a Hamlet Mobile, if this is your first time out, if you want to figure out how to like pick your way through, because like it's little little chunks that add up to a big one. You know, starting with Gravedigger, Hot Boxes, The Van, or with Crown Ambition Queen is a great way to kick things off. That's two of the eight pieces. Um, also, A Girl with Flowers and a Breakup Sex are all four of those. That's half. You should start with one of those. Just, just take my advice on that. Start with one of those if you can. The other ones are also great and beautiful, but they're, they're, they kind of like add up to more. There you go. Devoted, which I went gaga for, which I want to write about still, but I've been, you know, running around like a madman. Uh, Devoted got an extension through like the top of November and it instantly sold out. If we're lucky, Devoted will extend again once more. I think there's a lot of factors in that one, but uh, it is it is quite the piece and looking forward to more from Shine On Collective as we go. Um, hey. This is the part of the show where I pitch the Patreon support. You should join the Patreon. Noah, weren't you going to write up things? Yeah, I was going to modify the Patreon. I'm still weighing uh, exactly how I'm going. Because there's, there's a couple of ideas I have for like what I want to put in. But I, I think I might be a fool for doing some of them. So I got I to gotta spend just a little more time to really sit down and articulate it out. But I do want to raise the ceiling. Right now we just have like a $50 ceiling on the Patreon. And I want to raise it up to like 200 bucks a month. 
uh, is is what I want to see us getting and expanding. Um, but I gotta I gotta set some things in there to make that a little more possible. And whatever I do to modify, if you jump on the train now, uh, if you come in at the one dollar or the five dollar level, if if I change the way things work, everyone is grandfathered in. So whatever rate you're at, like if I promise something like, oh, you get like an hour long phone call with me like once a month or something like that at a certain level, and then like a year from now I'm charging more for my time than that, uh, you're grandfathered. So just know that. That's the main thing I'm trying to work out right now. I'm trying to figure out my rate card, um, which feels like a completely ridiculous thing to do. But, you know, people start calling you and then you start realizing you, you, you can't just, you can't do everything for free even if you want to because you didn't win the lotto. I didn't win the lotto, you guys. You guys should buy me lotto tickets. <laughs> okay, Powerball only. Um, let's. Um, I'm cheery. This is like this is this is what I would be like. Look, if I just did this all the time and nothing but this, this is how chipper I'd be all the time. So you know, like, uh, help me make this my life. Um, okay, that's pathetic. Let's keep going on. Uh, you know what you want? You want music, and then you want the questions to start. <laughs> Our first question this week is going to be a, uh, a written question that was sent in by uh, Leonie Reynolds. Leonie, I hope I got your name right because I am I butcher people's names if I don't hear them five times. And then I hear them and then I butcher them anyway. So apologies if I've got that wrong. You are one of our Patreon backers. You're one of the people who's responsible for this monstrosity. So congratulations. Here is your question and then I will attempt to make a sensible answer. Because this wasn't easy either. Uh, what are the things that have surprised you or have been unexpected that you've come to believe immersive theater needs or doesn't need? This is a great question. Um, it's it's gives me an opportunity to talk about some fundamentals that have come up of late. Um, I I think that the main thing I want to want to talk about with regard to this question is. Um, well, you know, I want to start actually, of all things, with the first first rule of thumb I ever had, which was, if I see a chair, something's wrong. And that, um, that's all caveated, right? Like, I've been to plenty of pieces now where the first thing I see is a chair and I sit down in the chair and then everything is fine because there is no... And the beauty of what's going on in this open frame, experimental, immersive space is that the artists and the community are continually inventing what this can be. That there is almost nothing that hasn't been tried and that has failed that is not then available for someone else to pick up and try again slightly askew. I think the critical thing, and the thing that I keep coming back to these days, and this is true for all immersive things, it doesn't matter if it's physical or if you've got a VR headset on, you, you need to create space, physical, emotional, intellectual, temporal, one or all, space for the participant and the performers and the performers can be virtual to create a moment together right the best immersives create space for moments of connection between the participants and the characters and those are the things that are most thrilling i was i was at one of the haunts here in la and the thing that was most compelling to me was the lounge because we had time to interact with the characters who were just inhabiting the lounge. And then I went into the haunt and like started and was really tense and then kind of shuffle around, you know, and scenes and scenes and scenes. And it was pretty and some things were gross and it was interesting and I ate something nasty. Um, but but I didn't have the same sense of connection that I did in the lounge. And that was, that was some cognitive dissonance there for me. 
you want to have these moments that feel authentic, even if you're both, you know, even if, if the participant adopts a character too, there's, that's fine. It's creating that space. So I think the critical thing, the thing, and, and I wasn't necessarily, I guess this answers the question right on the money, which is like surprises. Like I wasn't expecting that to be my answer for what is essential to immersive. And yet it makes perfect sense. The critical thing is creating the conditions. It's not about impressing someone with a performance, right? You know, it's not about like putting someone on stage and singing in their face as if it was, you know, Jessica Rabbit in a, in a strip routine, right? Or something of that nature. This, this isn't cabaret where it's um, a, a parody of intimacy or it's um, sort of um, you know, drawing out a singular spotlight so that in, in a small room, one person becomes the focus unlike any other. It's not about that at all. It's about creating this dynamic so that an actual moment of, of emotional or, or mental intimacy can happen between the performer and the participant. I think about my experiences at the Grand Paradise, which, oh, the Grand Paradise is, um, it's announced the end of its run, December 31st, so New Year's, New Year's Eve, that's the last Grand Paradise. And, and I know so many people have different reactions to that piece. And I, I even know that if I, had, if I had gone on a different track that first night, I might not have come out shaken and, and, and in, in mortal terror love, which is how I fall in love. I fall in love in, in well, I didn't know what I was saying. It's, my, my experience of, of, of serious love is usually, oh, God, not this. And I had, I had an, oh, God, not this moment at the Grand Paradise which, which is just, it's a fascinating, like there is some psychology, ooh, let's open up that can of worms, not. Um, that they created the space for that kind of moment to happen. Because it wasn't about showing me something I didn't expect to see. It wasn't about making a spectacle. It wasn't even really about the performance. It was about sketching out the gap and defining a question and letting me as the participant, as the audience kind of answer the question. It's about, it's an invitation. Immersive is an art of invitation. And if you're pushing people in a direction, if you're hurting them, if you're controlling them, even if you're, if you're overly confronting them, you're not letting their imagination leap into the gaps. Maybe I did expect to find that. Maybe it's what I was always looking for. But I think that's, that's what I've come to believe is essential for great immersive. I think you can have not great immersive, good immersive that, that doesn't do that. But the thing we're looking for is, is that moment of connection. That's the critical thing. All right. Let's go to our next question, which is uh, an audio question. And let's listen to that one together. I listened to it before, but I'm going to listen to it again because it helps me to remind myself of what it is I'm supposed to be answering. Hey, Noah, this is Andrew Hoffner from New York City. What I want to know more about is immersive theater around the world. No Proscenium does an excellent job covering immersive theater in the United States. It's also not too difficult to keep in touch with what's going on in the UK. I'm sure a lot of us have heard about the Drown Man and Yumi Bum Bum Train in London, and there's a lot more over there too. But what I'm asking today is what's going on in the rest of the world. Even if I can't fly over and check out these pieces, I still like to read about them and look at the photos. With you being a hub for people who like this kind of work, has any hearsay come your way? Two companies from New York, Third Rail and Journey Lab, have recently taken their work to Russia. There's also been a lot of talk about Sleep No More being built in Beijing. But this is about all I've heard. What's going on in the rest of Asia? Are they making their own stuff? What about Africa, Central America, South America? What about Australia? Even when it comes to continental Europe, I haven't heard much. I haven't heard of a single piece in Paris or a single piece in Berlin. 
What about you? Even if you haven't heard anything else, maybe you could post this question to encourage your listeners to send in some tips. Ah, Andrew, one of our favorite people. And again, you should get your tickets to Whisper Lodge if you're in New York City. This is a most excellent question, and I am mostly posting it because I don't have a super straightforward answer. Um, I can tell you the following. I do know that immersive happens in Australia, and to a degree, I I don't know if I can call it big, but people... I definitely see companies going there. I know Punch Trunk's gone there to do stuff. I know material has emerged out of Australia at like festivals in Perth. Um, I know that uh, our friend uh, Shvan, who's got her broke, uh, broken bone bathtub, one person performance, she's done, she's done it in Australia. Uh, I know there's a hunger there and that I know that there's folks uh, who, who listen to the show who are uh, out that way and who are also in New Zealand. So I know that that part of the world, it's going on. I know that, uh, indeed, Sleep No More is going to Shanghai, um, and there's some some major adjustments there. And that I think it's interesting that China leads the virtual reality market in terms of uh, just the number of people who are engaging with it because they're doing uh, what they call out of home or like or location based entertainment experiences. So the groundwork is really there in China. The infrastructure is being kind of in place to create a, a serious market for immersive entertainment uh, that could easily eclipse everything else. It's such a hot market for theme parks as well. So this this is sort of the next thing. And, you know, there's there's money there, right? And and this stuff is not cheap and we're going to get to that as the main the main course today. Um I know that our friend uh, Marika Splint uh, could probably easily answer some of the the Europe-based questions. You know, there's there's a lot of immersive that's happening in the Scandinavian countries. Um there there are festivals all over why, a couple of things. Why don't I know these off the top of my head? Why don't I have stats? People come to me and say, oh, do you know like the size of the immersive versus like regular theater? And and the, the thing is this. Number one, um, I don't approach this in an academic fashion. I don't. I approach it in a visceral fashion, right? Like what's interesting, the most interesting thing to me about immersive is that it is visceral. So the, the stat side of it, uh, I, I, just, I shy away from, I do a lot of stats in my, in my other part of my life. So I'm like, well, you know, and, and I'd love to know them, uh, but I don't have the patience or the time to compile some of the harder stats. The other thing, um, one of the reasons why I don't have all the Europe stuff off the top of my head is just raw jealousy. I'm never going to get out there possibly in my entire life. So I kind of don't want to know, um, on a visceral level. I'm I'm open to knowing, you know, and to discourse, and that's great. But I also know that the odds of me ever getting to see any of that stuff are pretty low. So I I I just emotionally don't connect with the value of that. I know it's important, and then that's probably disappointing to people. It's like, oh, but no, you're the hub, and you know. Um, and if people are are are, are want to tell me and let me know and and act as a megaphone, and please gladly gladly share. So again, why I put the, the question out is like, I'm hoping the community can kind of say, hey, I know about this one, I know about that one, this festival is going on here, and this is what we're doing over there. That's wonderful, would love to increase that. I just know that if I spend too much time staring down that, I'm gonna get depressed. There, said it. I'll just get depressed. I'll be like, oh, I'm, this is thing that I'll, I'll never be able to connect with. Um, so that takes a, a degree of mental energy. Um, there's, uh, there's other podcasts. Uh, talking about immersive theater, T-A-I-T, which is based out of England. Uh, there's uh, the, the name of the, the, the host is escaping me at the moment. Um, but that's one that covers stuff that's in, in England and also covers things on the continent. And it's uh, talking with creators. It's very similar to our show. Uh, it's coming a little bit more from an academic standpoint uh, than, than our show does. But, hey, we all get wonky. So there's that. So if you want to kind of get that sense of what's going on there, I totally recommend uh, listening to the, the Tate, T-A-I-T, Talking About Immersive Theater podcast. Uh, I listen to it. Um, and uh, the, the more I listen to it, the more I learn about what's out there. And I'm, hopefully my, my personal resistance to, like, knowing about far-off lands is gone. 
uh, at some point soon. There's um, the other the other tricky thing about it is right is like the language right like we don't all talk about it the same way, so a lot of the ways that I get data is by keyword searching, right? Throwing myself out there into the Googles, pulling, 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 doing the same thing on Twitter, which we probably won't have in like a year and a half, the way things are going. So like that's another source of information that's dead. Um, and, and just digging down deep into the roots. And if people aren't calling their stuff immersive or they're not calling things site specific or site responsive, it's, it's harder to find. Um, and, and not having the common parlance is one of the things difficult or also seeing the people calling things immersive that are theater in the round, you know, well, we have that problem here as well. So it's, it's hard to judge. And that's another reason why I don't spend too much of my time looking at stuff outside of what I can verify, right? That's the difficulty there, but that is where you guys come in. So this isn't just about this show and the newsletter, by far is not about my own neuroses or my my desire to like not know about things that I'll never get to see um, and, and experience. It's here to serve you. And I know some of you get to go run around the world and do that. I'm exceptionally jealous, but let's not worry about that part. Let's worry about if you guys, and, and the same thing happens in terms of any of the local stuff, right? It's always if you see something, say something. That's kind of the, the the jokey rule, but it's real. We don't know what's going on unless the audience is telling us. That's how the newsletter started. It's how the podcast started. It's how things persist. Because of that language problem in terms of what's immersive, what size, blah, 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 right? We don't have the data unless you are acting as our eyes and ears. So I, do, I don't make this plea the way I used to, and I should, and it is no joke. I do not know what's going on out there unless you tell me. And I know that seems weird. It's like, but you know, no, I don't know everything, but we really don't know everything. I can't know everything. And even when everyone's, even people, people don't know to pitch us, right? It, it, it's silly. It seems like, oh, and but you know, people are discovering us more and more and the mainstream media finds us and talks to us and that that mainstream media, um, we're still obscure. People like to talk about this, this space as if it is peaking and if uh, maybe it's already too much of a fad. And the way people throw around the I word is too much of a fad. But the actual work that's going on oh, we've, we've just gotten started. We have just begun. And that means that much like participatory democracy, you can't sit back and let the stats and the polls tell you what's going to happen. You need to get off your butt. You need to write me. You need to tweet at me. You need to Facebook message, whatever it is, and tell me when you hear about a show. And, and it doesn't matter if you're telling me about a show that I've already heard about. I'm, I may get into like grumpy reporter mode and be like, yeah, yeah, I know about it. But I also know it's incredibly important that you're doing that because if it's not this one, it's the next one, right? You're going to find something one of us doesn't know about. We are a network. We are a community. And it's all of our vigilance that helps the community grow. And for that, and for those of you who do that part of the work, I am so thankful you make this possible. And it's always when you guys jump in, it's always when you guys jump in, that we make that next leap forward, that we expand, that our horizons get bigger, that we discover new territories, and that we know what's going on. And so on that note, I've got two announcements for the new year, all right? Do a little housekeeping here. I may have talked a little bit about this before, but this is official. Come January, we're going to reorganize the Chicago newsletter into what is basically going to be, um, I don't have the name for it yet, but like Upper Midwest kind of Great Lakes, you know, Great Lakes Avengers <laughs> newsletter. Um, so that means we're going to be covering uh, a larger piece of territory. Right now, right now the Chicago is about it's a, it's about ten percent of the size of our biggest, 
and it's about 20% of the size of, of everybody else. So I want to I wanna blow that out. And that is not at all a knock on the work that Dean's been doing because Dean's been doing an excellent job. So don't anyone dare think that I'm doing that. But I'm trying to make this easier on all of us because every single person who works on this has a day job or two. And we need people pitching in and so we're expanding the team. But as we expand the team, I also want to expand the footprint because there's a lot of work that's going on in other cities. There's work that's going on in the Twin Cities. There's probably work that's going on in Madison. There's almost certainly stuff that's happening in Detroit. And so that sort of that greater region of the country, um, we're going to cast our Saronic eye on and start pulling material up. It'll be once a month, just like the West Coast edition is. So it's staying at the same frequency. And we're going to mess around with the format a little bit, kind of splitting between some highlights and then just more just rundown listings so that we can more efficiently serve everyone in the area. Um, That's number one. Number two, we're going to do the same thing in the Southeast. Orlando's got a scene. It's definitely got an escape room scene. I know work happens in Nashville. I suspect things are happening in Atlanta. I got friends in Orlando and Atlanta who are going to be pitching in and helping to curate out there. If I've got folks in Nashville or anywhere who know, or if you're up in the up in the Carolinas, uh, you know, give us a holler. We need stringers. Um, again, there's very little money here. And so I'm not expecting anyone to work for free, but if you just tell us something, you know, we'll report on it. Uh, if you want to pitch in deeper, there's, there's a, there's, there's a little bit of, of, you know, thank you renumerance, but it is, it is, it is small. We don't, we don't make a lot of cash here. Um, maybe one day we will, and that'd be great, but I'd like to show you what the journalism world looks like right now, and, and then let's talk. Um, so realize that we're doing like really specialized work, and this is a kind of a community scrapbooking project from a certain point of view. But I do try and take care of everybody as much as I can. Um, we're going to have that down in there. Um, the West Coast edition continues as it is, and indeed, you know, I'll, I'll cover things in the Southwest. Um Ultimately, I'd like to see sort of a, a Texas and Southwest kind of regional edition, and then one that sort of covers New England. So if you're listening, if you're doing this kind of work, uh, if you want to have those exist, I wouldn't take on, I probably wouldn't launch them all at once, because we also need to get our funding level up to where we can handle all those, because at a certain point, we'll run out of credits at MailChimp, and that. That's one of the things that's coming down the line. But um, I'd love to see Southwest Texas and New England happen um, by the end of next year. But at the beginning of this year, this coming year, beginning of 2017, we've got we've got the Upper Midwest and we've got the Southeast are coming along. And if you've got a better name for those, I'd love the, that better name. All right. That's that program note. Now we're going to move into uh, the the starring rant of the day. But first, I'm going to take a little music break. Okay, champ, you're back. You've stuck in. Here comes the rant. I want to talk to you about price. Not about, not about money regarding this show. I want to talk about value in immersive it's been coming up a bit and i think it's i think it's a critical discussion that we need to roll back to every once in a while and i'm going to start with the thesis so get yourself positioned immersive is a luxury good that's our thesis for today's rant let me lay that out a little bit for you um Hamlet Mobile tickets, when they're not discounted with like a code from us or 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 from the the makers, uh, are going at ten dollars per segment, which adds up to eighty dollars for the entire show, all eight segments. And indeed, you know they're giving discounts to people who do like 
you know, multiple parts of it, right? So they're conscious. You know, capital W does not believe that we're all rich. It knows we're not all rich. Um, and and there's there's the matter of like getting to and from it and 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 whatnot. And the pieces are about ten to fifteen minutes in length. They can even sometimes dip below ten minutes in length. And I know that's something that Lauren is conscious of, right? Like Lauren's not Lauren Ludwig, the director of Hamlet Mobile. She's not unaware that she wants to provide that providing value perceived value, right? Cause this is all in our heads. This is all subjective, right? You know, uh, the perceived value is not, uh, it has something to do with time and that she doesn't want people walking away feeling like I spent $10 on that. I know a, a number of you who have gone to pieces in the past couple of months. Uh, one of you in particular, um, who, you know, looks at, Oh God, was that worth $10? Was that worth $50? And, Here's where we get into the horrible truth, which is this shit's expensive to put on. Like, it's ridiculously expensive to put on. If we look through the eyes of the people who are making it, and we look at the idea of providing a one-on-one experience for someone that lasts 15 to 20 minutes, and that ties up an actor, let's just say for like 20 minutes. Let's say that we had an experience that was 20 minutes long and cost you $20. So we're talking about a dollar a minute. Now when we look at the costs involved on the back end, we're paying the actor, is the company taking anything? Is there a rental on the space? Suddenly we're really slicing that pie very, very thin. We can look at something like tickets to Disneyland and see that Disneyland tickets, which are like a hundred bucks or more, I lost track because I stopped going because it got too expensive, but it gets you in there all day. But a lot of your day is walking around the park and standing in line for things, right? And luckily the food prices haven't gone up so high that, that it sometimes feels unreasonable. And if you have a pass, you know, dining there is actually totally normal. It's like the outside world. Um, But the perception, because of how much time you're spending there, you're spending a whole day. And the funny thing is, is I see some pieces um, going probably for longer than they should on a single night uh, because they want to give people the sense that they got a full evening's worth of entertainment. And in so doing, they trip themselves up because the piece probably should have been shorter. But it costs so much to put on. And if you compare a piece of immersive theater, which is costing, say, $10 for a 15-minute experience, and you compare it to um, a normal uh, a theater show that's happening, like, you know, off, 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 off Broadway or on Theater Row here in L.A., where the tickets are maybe, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 20, maybe it's 25, right? Like, I'm still, I still freak out at the idea of seeing a show that costs $25 for, like, regular theater, and yet what, you know, like, indie theater costs about that much these days uh, at, a, at a certain tier of production. Well, the truth is that with immersive, particularly the smaller the scale, the more it's one-to-one, or two to four, whatever that formula is for a length of time, that's more value just on time and attention. Now, it doesn't mean that it's good. I happen to think Hamlet Mobile is good. I happen to think Devoted is good. But they're definitely expensive compared to other things. You know, if you compare a piece of immersive theater to, say, you know, a video game, a $60 video game. Well, I'm getting like eight hours or 10 hours of gameplay. But this entire line of thinking goes to some pretty dark places, particularly if you look at the video game world, right? Like the tyranny with which is practiced by video game fans in terms of perceived value on time um, is destroying the AAA games market. It just, it's devastated it because we forget as these things become commoditized, as our entertainment is turned into a commodity, we forget that 
sitting in front of a, another human being and having their undivided attention and having them perform something directly for us, that's like something a king or a queen or a noble would get, right? Or it's what your family would do for you for free, but that's because they love you. These people may not love you. <laughs> the, the, this, this is folks' livelihood. It's a luxury item. If, if we're lucky, it's affordable luxury. Apple is affordable luxury. That's Apple's whole thing. Apple's fallen down on the job in a few ways these days, and they've definitely missed, missed some of the threads in terms of where their strength comes from. And so we may be beginning to see the decline there. Particularly, you know, on a, on a week when Microsoft makes the more interesting creative tools, like, you know, something weird has happened. Um, but that idea of here's a piece, an iPhone is a luxury item that anyone pretty much can, can ultimately get their hands on. Not anyone, anyone or not, you know, I'm not talking about like, you know, homeless people on the street being able to have iPhones, uh, but some of them do have smartphones and a smartphone is a luxury item. It gets commoditized. But the Apple is the luxury, but it's under $1,000 and you ameliorate that over the entire year. I'll, you know, I pay about 40 bucks a month to have my iPhone, not the service, but the actual iPhone, right? So compare that to the experience you get in an immersive, the attention, uh, those moments, that time. And it really does start to feel like a, a dollar a minute, which is about what it costs to get, you know, a massage at Whole Foods. That's sort of where we're in. This is not conventional theater, and it's not going to cost what conventional theater costs. This is not like going to the movies. When I look at what the pricing structure is on the location-based entertainment in VR, they're talking about... I've seen things floated from a dollar a minute to I've seen $3 a minute floated. And let me tell you right now, I'm not going to spend $30 on a VR experience in the lobby of an IMAX unless it's Star Wars. And then, yeah, I will spend $30 on it because I'm an idiot who loves Star Wars and, and, and that math works for me. But I'm not going to do it for Assassin's Creed and I'm not going to do it for like rando movie number 2471. But if you say, hey, this 10-minute experience is $10 and we will put you into the world of that movie you just saw that you really, really liked, um, I'm going to give it a try at least once. And if it's good, I'm going to come back. So that is where it folds back in to how do we make, eh, I don't want to say make, how do we encourage audiences to see a dollar a minute for your your more intimate immersives as being reasonable well the short answer is you make it good the longer answer which involves how do you make it good is really about focusing on the first thing we talked about today creating an infrastructure for moments of connection you're making memories for people. You're giving them the framework to do that. You're creating that space, that emotional, intellectual, temporal, physical space that allows people to connect. And if you do that, people will pay anything. The risk for the fan and for the student practitioner of immersive is that we will get jaded over time. But when stuff works, it's like having all of that cruft, all, all that, that jadedness get wiped away again. And suddenly we're in the moment. Because much like certain meditative practices, that feeling of presence is always waiting for us. The question is, can we help others find it? Can we set things up so that we find it? 
That's the trick. But in terms of just the economic realities right now, look, we're stuck with like a dollar a minute for an an intimate immersive is pretty much where we're headed, uh, where we are because of how much it costs to do things. And because I don't think we should be asking people to make this stuff at a loss. Because if we do that, it goes away. Not everything can be subsidized by another company as part of a marketing effort. Here in Los Angeles, not everything gets to have the bar. And honestly, the work, the work should be sustainable. It should pay for itself. But be conscious, ye creators out there, that... You do need to be providing perceived value and that indeed focused attention and an opportunity to experience something and really experience something is in so many ways more valuable than throwing a lot of content at people in a short period of time. You can overwhelm the senses to a degree but that trick breaks down relatively quickly when you're not giving people the chance to breathe into the moment. I know that wasn't the most straightforward one of my rants, and I know that this is definitely a sensitive topic, but I also know that a lot of you are trying to figure out what you can charge and so I'm saying, just to, just to put a button on this, if you're providing focused one-on-ones with people, then a dollar a minute is okay. Just know that you need to be I mean, I want to say this, you need to be making the good. Know that you need to be providing something pretty quality and you want to test it. I think that's the biggest thing. Actually, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing right there. Test that sucker. If you have an interaction that you want to lay out for people and charge them a dollar a minute, QA that thing like it's a video game. Test it, test it, test it. You want to bring in other people in the community. You want to bring in people who don't know this stuff at all. But if you keep it small and you build it that way, then you can like add on to it. You want to create a bigger, a more elaborate multi-character experience where some of the one-on-ones are just like off to the side and there's something else and you want to charge more for that, you know, over the whole night. That's, that's great. That's good. Work the details, develop your actors and let yourself know that you've done everything you can to provide a quality experience for folks because you know then she fells over a hundred bucks and we don't tend to complain about how much that costs but if you look at how long it took to develop that sucker and if you know that the only way they hold on to that space is that they're they're still doing good community works and they're still doing workshops and they're providing and they got a, they got a nice deal, right? That's that's one of the ways that show gets produced, is they're having a positive impact for the community there, and they've got a wonderful host in terms of who owns their building. But the amount of work that went into making those experiences and getting those one on ones right, that's where the work is. So take your time. Don't overextend yourself. Work the details. Expand your circle of QA testers. The following sounds a little self-serving, but if you need someone to come in and you want to test on somebody and it's LA, hey, I'm around. Does that mean that I won't necessarily be able to write a review review? Yeah. But we still have the podcast. And 
you know, I can still talk about it and help you find an audience, which is one of the reasons why I do this show. But I'm here to help make things good. And if you need some suggestions on people who are outside of your circle, who can come in and give you feedback, I got a, I got, I got binders, binders full of people, binders full of people who can do that. But yeah, that's, that's the rant. Um, okay. Next time on the show, got a couple possibilities. Haven't booked anything yet. We definitely will have a show though, one way or another. Um, why? Because I said so. And I'll scramble. Um, there's plenty going on out there. Halloween is on Monday, so you're going to have a spooky weekend. I feel like I've done all my Halloween stuff already, so oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, and uh, Nevermore. Nevermore. Uh, if you're here in L.A., uh, look for me. I'll be around the Nevermore uh, Festival up in Van Nuys. That's the one-day immersive arts festival that uh, Brian Sonny Wallace and David Mack are putting on. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I'll be there like the noon show, so check it out. i got to get running. Uh, i got to go. Um, I'm so glad you guys stick around. This was supposed to be a mini-sode, and we went for an hour. An hour of my voice. Ugh, boy. Yeah, this one's going to go over well. Until next time. Oh, how to find us. Uh, you, you know by now. At NoPersinium. NoPersinium.com. Patreon.com. Slash NoPersinium. Medium.com. Slash No-Persinium. That's all the stuff. Write us. I told you everybody to write us. No underscore Persinium at Outlook.com. Um, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. The music for the show, of course, is by our friend Chris Porter. You're about to hear some. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.